Good morning. The scripture reading on this Palm Sunday is from the book of Luke. After he had said this, Jesus went on ahead, opening, er, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you at the beginning of this holy week. If my disciples were silent, Jesus says, the stones would shout out. What an image. A stone singing God's praise. It seems ridiculous and unbelievable. Stones don't speak. We know that. And yet, on Palm Sunday, it almost seems possible. This is a day of wonder where nothing's quite normal in our church. We have a parade down the center aisle. We each hold a prop imported from another country. And announcements, we give them first instead of last. Everything is topsy-turvy today. Why not add a stone that praises God? This is one blessing of a day like Palm Sunday. The change up in what we're used to, the slightly off-kilter atmosphere of the whole thing, it's like a permission slip for each of you to inhabit the world just a little bit differently. Today is a day to imagine. This is what the people throwing their cloaks before Jesus were doing. They saw him entering Jerusalem and they knew he had been casting out, the, out demons and healing the sick and irking the authorities and now here he was in the capital city. This was no normal day. What was going to happen? They let their imaginations run wild. I think imagination gets a bad rap sometimes. 
we view it as something for children, something frivolous and non-essential to be put away when the real decisions need to be made. Oh, come back to reality, we say. Why don't you try living in the real world? But imagination is one of the deepest callings of our faith life. See, we know that God loves the world as it is. God created it and called it good. But God loves the world so much that God is not content to let this world sit around in the state that it's in. The God that we meet at in the Bible has a vision a vision of human freedom and dignity, a vision of healing and wholeness for each person. The God we meet in the Bible longs for divisions to be overcome, for wisdom to flourish, for grief to end, and for a knowledge of God's presence to dwell so deeply in us and in all the cosmos that even the stones cry out in praise. That's God's vision for the world. I have trouble seeing it when I look around. I don't need to take up your time this morning listing all the ways the world falls short of God's vision. You can go ahead and read the news for that, or you can think about what it is on your mind that keeps you awake at night. The point is this. There is a gap between the world as we see it and the world that God longs for. And it's only by using our imaginations that we can tap into God's vision of the world and see what is not there yet. Our imaginations, when we use them in service to God and neighbor, become a bridge between the world we live in now and the world God dreams of. It's a big bridge to build. When we catch glimpses of God's vision through our imagination, it can actually be scary and disorienting for us because God's vision is so big, so encompassing, so far off from what we see now that it seems like foolishness. Maybe that's why we need to have a Palm Sunday, to have a big parade and wave palm branches this morning. We do it so that each of you is thrown off your groove just enough for you to wander your way into not just imagining some of the possibilities that God is yearning for, but believing them and maybe even acting to make them so. What's the possibility for you this morning? The possibility that bridges your life from what it is to the vision God has for all of us in this world? What is the maybe you're wrestling with? Is it the maybe of reconciling with the brother you haven't talked to in years since that one fight you had? Is it the maybe of releasing your grip on wealth and possession to share generously with those in need? 
Is it the maybe of reaching out for help because you know you have a problem? Is it the maybe of gathering all the courage that it takes to leave the life you're living now to answer that call that God has been placing on your heart? In this day of wonder where everything's a little topsy-turvy, use that permission slip and let your mind run with that maybe. Join the throngs of people throwing their cloaks and their deep hopes at Jesus as he enters the city. Get lost as your imagination connects and weaves into God's vision. Live in the world as though stones can shout out to God. It's a good and holy thing for us to use our imagination to tap into God's vision for our world and then to step out and to act as though that vision has already come true. Because here's the good news, we are not the only one to build a bridge over that gap. God, who is faithful, will keep God's promise to make the world into the one that God desires. God will not stop until the universe is mended and all things are made whole and even the stones sing praise to God. Now that sounds like an end of a sermon, right? And it would be wonderful to just step off and sit down right now, but I can't. That's because Palm Sunday doesn't end with a feeling of possibility. It ends in stunned silence with a shut door and dashed hopes. Somehow by the end of this service, that same crowd that welcomes Jesus with palms and coats spread before him cries out for his death. And we watch as things just spiral out of control and Jesus ends up on a cross. This is the warning of Palm Sunday, and perhaps it's unpleasant truth. The crowd capable of genuine hope and possibility in one moment, and bitter disappointment and a drive for violent revenge in the next, we are no different. We too, can glimpse God's vision. We too can get caught up in our earnest imaginings of the world that God longs for. But just like the crowd, we too can become unhappy about how God chooses to make that vision real in the world. Because God doesn't choose to make that vision real the same way I would. I'd use force. I'd whip people into shape. I'd strong arm my way into a new society. And God doesn't do that. God doesn't use violence. God doesn't have this frantic, frenzied sense of urgency that I have and that our society have. God operates on a different timeline. God operates with a different sense of power. It's not power over. It's power of suffering love. We should note that today, this day when we laud Jesus as a king and throw him a royal parade, 
He doesn't ride in on a war horse like a conquering king, ready to overthrow the unjust rulers and usher in peace in the land. He comes on a colt, a colt that's never even been ridden, one that's not even his, one he has to borrow. He doesn't even have a saddle. He's sitting on someone's spare cloak. And we watch as he wobbles back and forth, entering into the city. This is not the Savior we expected. This is not the Messiah we hoped for. And yet this is the Messiah we get. This is how God chooses to be in the world and to show the power of God's love. The mystery is that God only makes God's vision for the world real through a love that is willing to suffer. And that way, it looks weak to us. It looks foolish to us. And it looks like the cross. That's what this week is all about. It's about holding the tension between imagining the glory of God's promised future and then looking straight on at the unlikely and offensive way that God chooses to get there. A betrayal, torture, an execution. It's hard to look at that. And yet that is the story we are given. Many of us choose to turn away. We don't want to grapple with a God who suffers and dies. Consider this, this room three times will be filled on next Sunday morning as we celebrate the empty tomb. But come here on Friday night and you will find a pew to yourself. And it's not just us, some churches are advertising Easter the whole weekend long, wanting to bypass this ugly story that's at the heart of our faith. And I get it. You can't read a story like this and not have it take a toll on you. There's no way to make it easier. There's no way to pat it or massage it to make it digestible. I'm a pastor, and I still don't understand it. Each year when we read the story of the crucifixion, I'm caught off guard. And my imagination, which was soaring of a God's vision of a world made whole, sputters out. And I fall silent. That feels unpleasant. It feels like a failure. But I have come to believe that the stunned silence that this week will bring us is a gift. Because as good as it is for us to imagine with God that glory and that future filled with hope, we need to be reminded that it is not our imagination that saves us. We can fail to understand, and God will still be with us. Our imagination can sputter out, and we can fall silent, and that does not take away from God's presence with us. God will still make God's vision come true. Consider this. 
Jesus promises the crowd that if they fall silent, the stones will cry out. And as Jesus dies, his followers have indeed fallen silent. They are shocked and stunned and fearful. But all is not lost. Another voice declares God's praise. It is indeed a stone that cries out three days later, praising God as it rolls away from the tomb. And that means that there is nothing that's really real that stands in God's way for mending this universe, healing your wounds, and making us one. Amen.